want you to turn with me in the scriptures this morning to some very important verses. Uh, I, I'm not, well, there's no unimportant verses in, in the scripture. Uh, I just had laid on my heart something very, uh, something very heavy on my spirit and I don't, I don't want to be, I, I don't, I, I want to tell you, I do not, I've said this before, but I do not believe God gave prophecy and, and the book of Revelation and all the things that are come. I do not believe God presented that to depress us or make us afraid. I believe the twice born man, woman, or young person will be encouraged by the fact that the Lord is coming and we're on the winning side. And so I take, I take, confidence and courage in prophecy, but I also know that there is a reason that God is going to take the church out of this particular age, and it's because the world, by and large, will have turned against the Lord. Don't, don't ever forget it today, ladies and gentlemen, the wheat and the tares are together, but God is coming to divide the saint from the sinner so that we can spend eternity, ladies and gentlemen, with our king. How many of you are glad that we're headed to an eternal kingdom? Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that. Carol, good to have you back in church with us. She told me the other day when we did her uh, husband's memorial, she said, Pastor, I'm going to wear that seat out in that sanctuary, and I said, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> so good to see you back. What a faithful servant to a husband uh, all those years. And uh, So I want to look at this scripture today. Um, I want to speak to every person, every young person here. How many of you consider yourself young? Andy, did you raise your hand? I was going to say, I want to make sure, because I know Andy's one of the youngest gray hairs I've ever seen in my life. If you're under 99, I consider you young. How many of you are glad you're part of this generation? And I think this generation's important. But I want to tell you, our world is in trouble. And I, again, not to be negative. But I want to call this morning from this pulpit, I want to call this generation. And yes, I'm pointing to these teenagers and, and to our children. And... But I'm talking to parents and grandparents. I want to call this generation this morning to an attention that is important. All of us. I want to call us to faithful living. To faithful witnessing. And I want to declare to you that your life has influence that you may not even be aware of. And I want you this morning as a prerequisite, I want you to turn to somebody and say, make no mistake about it, your life has influence. Make that happen. Make no mistake about it. Your life has influence. You may not think it does, but statistics some 20 years ago, the last time I read them then, said that every life has 7.2 people looking at them as an example. That doesn't just mean pastor. It doesn't just mean everyone else. It means you. Over seven people probably now are watching your life. And it's important that we live it right, especially, can I say, in these closing days. So I want to read Leviticus 24. And either on your phone, iPad, or Bible, or the video, 24 Leviticus. Let's read a few Verses of Scripture 1 through 3. 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. You're going to see a menorah here later. This lamp was supposed to burn 24-7, as we would say today, pure olive oil. Outside the veil of the testimony, in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. We'll talk more about why that was so important in a moment. Turn to the right at 40, 50 pages, 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want to read you a, a great, great story from Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Ladies and gentlemen, we ought to thank God for this word. It was rare then. So watch what happens and watch how God works. It came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down. Remember, he's the high priest. Lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow dim, that he could not see. I want to pay attention to the next two words. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle and the Lord of the Lord and where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli, this high priest, and said, Here I am, for you call me. Understand, Eli's a young man. We'll talk about it later. Hannah, his mother, gave him to the ministry. Here he is working for God in the presence of the high priest, Eli. And he ran and Eli said, Here I am, for he ran to Eli, for that you call me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went to lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He was a very young. Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Notice he's young. I want to tell you, young people, do not despise your youth. Ladies and gentlemen, we better never despise our youth. And the Lord called Samuel again, the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. I want to stop and say, what God needs today out of America and across this world is for saints to stop and say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. In busy, busy lives that are centered on many other things other than God, we need to stop and say, God, speak, because I will listen. 
Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile. Watch this last word. Made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. I want to tell you something. In today's society, ladies and gentlemen, I want to declare it is still the parent's place to run the house and restrain your offspring. It is your job, mom and dad, to raise your children in a godly fashion. Thank God the church will help. I hope school teachers help in school, but I want to tell you it's your responsibility. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. God had ended his mercy with Eli. Watch this. Chapter 4. I want to look at verse 16. Then the man said to Eli, this was a warrior returning from a battle. The man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened my son. So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. And your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And watch this. Two major things. Well, many people have been slaughtered, but your two sons are dead. Hophni and Phinehas. Watch this. And the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention, watch this, not of his sons, not of all the people that died, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for he was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when God gives us responsibility, God intends that we fulfill that responsibility. We're in a world that no one wants any responsibility. And I want to declare to you, your life and your existence belongs to God. And how many in this room are twice born? You've been under the blood and you're washed and clean. How many of your names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life? I want to tell you something. Let me be very blunt about it. Then from that moment on, and if you didn't know it from this moment on, you have no right to live the way you want to live. You belong to God. You have the privilege of living the way God has commanded us and expects us to live in a righteous fashion, with right priorities, without letting this present world taint our living. 
That's as plain as I know how to put it. And the Scripture says we have been given all things to where we are sufficient in all things. Let me be blunt and tell you, whether you're in this sanctuary or on Facebook, you have no excuse to disobey God other than the fact that you have let something in this world become an idol and replace God. For God is supposed to be enthroned in our lives. That's straight, it's forward, but it's true. I want to preach this morning. Where are the Samuels of our generation? The Ark of the Covenant was built by Moses. It was built by specific and detailed instruction from God to Moses. The Ark represented God's presence among that people. When Israel went to war, they would take that Ark with them. On the staves that you see, men were instructed to carry it in a special fashion. They were allowed to carry the staves, but they were not allowed to touch that ark because it was the presence of God. An important detail to note. When Israel went to war, they would take the ark with them because it was God on their side. For God would fight for this nation. If they kept His commandments, if Israel remembered the covenant, if Israel was obedient to what God had required, God guaranteed them a victory. And every time Israel sanctified themselves, took that ark into battle, and made the right direction and relationship with God, Israel never lost a battle. When Israel was not in battle, that ark resided in the tent church or in the tabernacle behind a veil in a place called the most holy place. On the outside of that veil, yet still inside the tabernacle, there was to the right when you entered the table of showbread. To the, by the, by the, by the um, veil was the altar of showbread. And on the left side was a seven light lampstand called a menorah. All pictures of Christ the Messiah that would come, the bread of life, the praying for the saints, and the light, and the oil of the Holy Spirit, all this is symbolic. But notice this, we read it, the lamp was to burn all time, day and night, continually, the Word said. The lamp was to burn with pure olive oil, which represented the Spirit of God and the light of God in a dark world. The Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, still in 2019, is the life of God's people. It is the light. It is the Word. It is the power of God's people. And as long as that lamp burned in that tabernacle, it was Israel's effort to maintain obedience and sacrifice and a right relationship before God. But as then, how many of you know that God does not change? And I want to say to the late generation, God still requires not just repentance, but He requires obedience. God is a holy God. God is a pure God. God is a just God. And He requires holiness and purity and truth in His people. It became a dark day for Israel. Eli, as we said, did not obey the commandments. And he did not correct 
and did not discipline his children. Eli did not obey the commandments and he allowed his sons to sin and go without direction or correction or punishment. The apostle in the New Testament, Apostle Peter, would declare these words. Judgment will begin in the house of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I, as twice-born men and women, have more responsibility today than those who are unsaved. Because once having come to the saving knowledge of Christ, ladies and gentlemen, heavy, heavy hangs over us to be led by, controlled by, and be holy and pure and truthful children of God. Let me just explain that and meddle a little bit. That means that you don't lie anymore. That means you don't cheat anymore. That means that the whole worldly part of your life is behind you. Come on, folks, say amen. But today, we'd like to walk this thin line of this is all the world and this is the Lord. We don't want to come over here and say, God, I wholly sell out to you. We want to walk this line. Well, I, I want just enough religion to feel safe, but I want to toy with all the things of the world. And every covenant in the Old Testament, the Mosaic, the Abrahamic, the Palestinian, the Davidic covenant, all the covenants of the Old Testament, that's exactly what cost Israel the judgment of God. But they made the choice. And America today, ladies and gentlemen, is making a choice. It is important that we understand the Word of God. Paul de or Peter declared it. The Old Testament priest, Eli, grew cold in his soul. He's the spiritual leader of a nation. How many of you think he has responsibility? How many of you think that he should show a discipline to his children? How many of you think that he should be an example? Let's pass it down to parents. How many of you think that they should be responsible for their children? How many of you think that the man and the woman in the house should be in charge? <laughs> I know the teenagers probably didn't say amen, right? It's important, ladies and gentlemen, to understand God just didn't give us divine suggestions. Your life will unfold accordingly to how you have obeyed the Father. The priest grew cold in his soul. He became spiritually lazy. He began to ignore sin in his own household. And the priest would not challenge the, even the enemy. And what happens in leadership spreads through the fellowship, all through Israel, and the nation backslid. And although they went through the motions of bringing the sacrifices, although Eli would go through the motion of cleansing to bring sacrifice to God, although they would go through the motion of presenting all the, the literal requirements, Eli's own sons would commit adultery at the temple door of God's house itself. And it was a sin against God, and the righteous priest that should be did nothing about it. Today in America, it frightens me how we ignore sin. I want to preach someday, whatever happened to sin? We excuse it, we justify it, well everybody else does it, and the Christ Himself said, do not 
compare yourselves one to another. Let me tell you, I will not be stand between you and the Lord and try to vote for you before God. We all stand on our own. I'd love to, but I can't. God's blessings and God's promises, His presence begin to withdraw. Ladies and gentlemen, God's power and His blessings and His anointing and His promises are all conditioned upon purity and obedience. God will not wink at sin. Sin must be judged. I know I probably lost a big audience, but it is imperative that I tell us the truth. But thanks be to God, I realize that's very negative sounding. Thanks be to God, when one generation chooses its master and makes its choice, even if that generation forsakes God, here's the mercy of God, God will give opportunity to the next generation to make their choice. Judgment is about to fall upon Israel. Eli's generation is backslidden. It will be, he told, we read the prophecy, I will destroy Israel. It will be defeated in battle. However, one of the greatest attributes of our Father is the fact that His mercy endures forever. Although judgment is warned, although it is due, and although it is coming, God will call to the next generation the youth of that generation, and God called Samuel. Samuel was the son of Hannah. We didn't read it. I trust you know it. For years she was barren and earnestly sought God for a child. Hannah promised God if she would bless him with that son, she would give him to God. She did conceive. God did give her a son. She did give him to God. She took him to the house of God as a young child and left him with the high priest Eli. And Samuel, although he was young and very inexperienced, although he, he, again, young, he answered eventually to the call of God. Samuel represented hope for a revival for that nation. Listen, if that nation had understood what God had spoke to Samuel, this young, inexperienced lad, God would have brought that nation a mercy and forgiveness and spared them. Young people, young couples, mom, dad, even grandparents. God will never judge without a cause or a reason. God had said to this nation, if my people who were called by my name, what did he say? If they will humble themselves, if they will seek my face and pray, I will hear them, I will heal that nation. God gave Israel every opportunity. And I want to tell you, I don't believe, perhaps this is just my concept of it, I'm not sure that any nation has had the mercy and the grace that God has given the United States of America. God has got the tenth mile with us. Thank God for this young lad. Here it is. In the tabernacle, this young man, Samuel, and what is his job? And I want every young person under the age of 99 years old to hear me. But especially, let's just say under 35. I want you to hear me. You know what, you know what Samuel's job was? It was to keep that lamp burning 
because that lamp lit the tabernacle. It, it lit the place of meeting where men met with God. It, it showed that God, the prayer of the saints, the altar of incense was arising to God. It showed over to the bread, a table of showbread, the fact that Christ would come. He's the bread of life. That oil and that lamp was the presence of the light of Christ and the oil of the Holy Spirit. Again, all typology. God has found teenagers in a young man, someone who will change the entire course of this nation. And you may be sitting here this morning. We may be a small crowd, and we may be perhaps unknown anywhere else, but this much I know, God puts a call on you even at your young age this day. His job is to keep the lamp lit God has in this young man the changing of a nation. This young man will keep the statutes of God all of his days. I sometimes, I've even been ridiculed. Why do you always talk to the young people? Why do you always talk to the young people? There's several reasons, but I want to tell you. Young people, I want to try to help your life spiritually. I may not can change someone here 80 plus years old, but I have a chance at teaching you the truth. I have a chance at putting the Word in you, even if mom and dad and grandparents don't. If you don't come from a Christian home, please hear the truth that comes from this pulpit. God has a call on your life. God has a call on your life. This young man... His job is to keep the flame burning. Keep it burning, young people. We're depending on you. If God tarries for another generation, carry the light to your next generation. Keep the lamp burning. It's the Spirit of God. Keep the lamp burning, mom and dad in your home. Keep the lamp burning, grandparents in your house and in your influence. Keep the lamp burning, United States of America, Christians, because this nation is in trouble. We better keep the lamp burning. Judgment did come. Israel was defeated. The ark of God is captured by the enemy. The ark of God was captured by the enemy. Think of what it pictures. This nation had so backslidden, the enemy was allowed to take the presence of God out of the nation. The priest's sons were dead. The priest hears that they're dead. But he hears that the Ark of the Covenant, because he did not live up to his responsibility, the presence of God has left that nation. And when he heard that the Ark of the Covenant was out of the nation of Israel, he fell backwards and broke his neck. And right after that, we didn't read it, but his own daughter-in-law was expecting child. This trauma threw her into labor. She will bear a son. She will die of her childbirth, but not before she took the time to name her child. She will name him and die. His name was Ichabod. The glory has departed. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to 
We need to hear a wake-up call today. America better quit playing games with God. Let me tell you, young people, this book is true. It's real. It's genuine. It's forever. For 2019 and I'll be through. Generation 2019. If you're here and you're 10, you should be in children's church. Where does children's church start? 12, right? I mean up to 12, right? If you're here and you're 12 to 100, I want you to hear me. Samuel, where are you? Samuel, where are you? Will you say, Here I am, Lord. I will hear you. Here I am, God. I will surrender my entire life to your will. I think we're missing it in America today, not teaching even our Christian born-again young people. The number one call upon your life is to get in the will of God. Don't you marry if it's not the will of God. Don't you go to a college that's not the will of God. Don't you take a job that's not the will of God. Don't you make decisions in your life that's not according to this book. Everyone that has, has always laid down in sorrow. The number one call is to get into the will of God. So I call to you today from this pulpit, where are you, Samuel? Samuel, it is dark in America today. Samuel, we need you. We need you. Get hold of God, Samuel. That lamp must burn continually. Mom, Samuel, we need you. Dad, Samuel, talk about the Lord. Lead your children, young people. We will not despise your youth. We will not discourage you. Samuel, keep the lamp burning. It's the only hope we have. Samuel, we must recapture the ark of God. We must rekindle the presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things far more important than many things we put our efforts into. We must have a revival of purity and holiness and righteousness in America. Young people, mom and dad, Grandparents, understand, you are Samuels. You are Samuels. Granddad, you may think it's over, but you're a Samuel till you're gone. Live it. Dad, Mom, you may have to be the mean one in the house for a while, but live it. Come on, say amen. Live it. Don't be so selfish. 
Stop fussing and fighting, Mom and Dad, and get about what's really important, and that's raising a godly generation. Obey the Word. Obey the Lord. Don't you let this world ensnare you. Amen. We need you. I began this with a direction toward this generation, and I told you, your life has influence. I want to say one more time, keep the lamp burning. Keep the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. Keep the fire of the Holy Spirit in this church. Keep the fire of the Spirit in your house. I want to say again, where are the Samuels? Where are the Samuels? I was thinking the other day. I was trying to count because I was thinking about this message. I was trying to count how many young people had gone into ministry that had been under my ministry for now 41 years. My goodness, I began to count them and count them and count them. And I begin to weep. Ladies and gentlemen, your responsibility is really no less than mine. And I love your children and your grandchildren. Let us be Samuels in our generation.